relatively new or inexperienced preppers are often confused by all the information out there on prepping. Some of it is confusing, and some of it is contradictory. Some of it is just garbage, and some is just dangerous. Many of you will be researching, reading forums and blogs, and even joining prepping groups on social media. You're probably going to read a lot about some overhyped topics, and you may not see much on some underappreciated topics. We're going to dig into both after this. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Have Krista with us tonight, my partner on the podcast and my partner in life. How's your day been? My day's been really, really good. How about yours? Mine's been okay. Mine's been okay. I didn't get wet today. (laughs) Almost got in a car chase, but they got them stopped just before they got to me. Oh. Yeah, really. Yeah, I know. That's kind of fun. (laughs) Anyway, it is what it is. Now, this episode today is going to be a very controversial episode. It is going to step on some toes. All right. Might hurt some feelings. Okay. And some will say that we really don't understand prepping. Some have already said that to us. Oh, yeah. That we don't know anything about prepping. We don't know what we're talking about. And and uh, they know because they raise houseplants. Yeah. Keyboard warriors. Yeah. This episode may generate some hate mail. Mm-hmm. And when I get hate mail, at least I know that somebody's listening. Well, yeah, that's the good side. And I also appreciate the emails that we get from those of you that are listening that either are thankful for the podcast, appreciate what we do, and even those of you that suggest topics. And we're working on some of those suggestions now. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do hope to do with this particular episode is to challenge some thinking. Well, here's a disclaimer. We're going to share our opinions because we're the hosts, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the podcast providers, the internet, most conspiracy theorists, or keyboard warriors. So what's our topic for tonight? We're going to talk about overhyped prepping topics and underappreciated prepping topics. All right, our sponsors for this episode are ProLine Digital Group If you own a business and you could use lead generation, people that are qualified leads looking for what you do, you need to get in touch with ProLine Digital Group. If you are a church or a school or a business and you could use an app, you need to get in touch with ProLine Digital Group. If you need a website, you need to get in touch with ProLine Digital Group. Or a uh, logo, graphic design. Graphic design logos. Web hosting. Web hosting. And these are some great guys, and you really enjoy dealing with them. ProLine Digital Group, and you will find their links in the show notes. Another sponsor is Jim Curtis Knives. He's one of the sharpest sponsors in town. <laughs> I made a <laughs> pun. Yes, Jim Curtis creates handcrafted, beautiful knives to order, and he also has some that are ready to go uh, that you can purchase from him directly. Mark owns two of Jim Curtis's beautiful creations, and he's very proud of both of those. And they do come with a lifetime warranty and a lifetime sharpening guarantee. So Jim Curtis will 
handcraft a beautiful knife to order. And they also make cook's knives, cleavers, and other types of cutting tools as well. So get in touch with Jim Curtis, Jim Curtis Knives. You can find him on Facebook and can contact him that way through his Facebook page. Let's get into our topic of overhyped prepping topics. Well, what comes to mind first is the large-scale disaster, the SHTF scenario, which is usually depicted as an EMP, which is an electromagnetic pulse, basically characterized by a nuclear device being detonated in space, therefore destroying the circuits, all of the computers, the grid, pretty much anything electrical or electronic would be what they call scorched earth. Uh, particularly, you know, right there at ground zero, wherever the target area is. Yeah, we see a lot of folks now prepping for nuclear war. And you nailed it right with the large-scale disasters. Everybody seems to be talking a whole lot about the total societal breakdowns. Right. And, you know, if you're relatively new to prepping and you are planning for large-scale stuff before you're fully prepared for the small stuff, I'm going to just say it in real talk. Your prepping plan stinks. Yeah, here's some examples. Building and stocking a Faraday cage, but you can't feed your family for two weeks. Oh, right. Or storing a large amount of weapons and caches of ammo, but you only have maybe 10 or less gallons of water and you don't have any way to filter more. Your threat assessment may be all out of kilter. And your prepping plan stinks. Another overhyped topic is conspiracy theories. And folks, there's literally thousands of them. We're talking about what's described as tinfoil hat stuff. The origins of COVID-19. Was it intentionally released? Will vaccinations eventually kill people? That vaccinations contain microchips? That was one of my favorite right there with the COVID was the microchip in each one. Right. If they were drawing them out of a vial. How could they make sure they got just one chip in each injection? Well, again, that's a conspiracy theory. These things did get widely uh, spread around on social media. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a good conspiracy theory here and there, and I I believe Humpty Dumpty was pushed, but, (laughs) you know, no proof of that. Conspiracy theories, it's been our experience that we found a lot of entertainment value in a conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, another conspiracy theory under the tinfoil hat stuff is the 5G cell service, which is going to activate the COVID vaccine killer. Right. There are some that believe to be fearful of 5G because it's supposed to be a whole different wave of power and energy impulse that has a control all of its own. And so that's yet another conspiracy theory. Now, here's one that's been around for years and years and years, and that's the contrails that are left by the aircraft at high altitude, Uh that they're spraying chemicals across the country. Oh, so that natural vapor trail is not a natural vapor trail. It's a chemtrail. Here's a conspiracy theory, and there are people that will subscribe to this theory, and they'll fight you to the death on it, and that is that uh, the planet Earth is flat. We can prove it's round. 
<laughs> if it was flat, the cats would already have slapped everything off of it. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, another conspiracy theory is that Bigfoot is real. It just seems interesting to me that for the many hundreds of years that the Sasquatch and Bigfoot stories and legends and supposedly photos of Bigfoot, no one has ever found a dead body. No one's ever found any type of evidence of, of this. And most of the photos and films have been debunked. And I guarantee you some old country boy out there runs across that thing in the woods. He's going to shoot it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I think by now we'd have we'd have had a carcass or but something. Yeah, Bigfoot's one of those tinfoil hat mm-hmm. conspiracies. Now, here's one that's really tinfoil hat, and that's Apollo 17 was not the last moon mission. Oh, yeah. But on Apollo 18, real astronauts had a run-in with aliens. Oh, well, to add to that, too, there's a conspiracy theory that the other side of the moon, which is not visible to us since Earth always faces one face of the mm-hmm. moon, that there are military installations on the other side of the moon and have been for a long, long time. Another conspiracy theory. We're just simply airing them because these do get overhyped with absolutely no evidence. But a lot of people do like to talk about that. A lot of people like to let their imaginations run a little bit wild. When we're looking at overhyped prepping topics, bushcrafting comes in there. Now, this is where it's going to get a little bit controversial for some folks. Mm -hmm. And that is living in the woods. See, not a whole lot of folks can survive for long duration in the wilderness. Right. You know, you can practice at it. And it's fun. A a night or a weekend. But if you had to really work that out for months or, you know, weeks or months or a year or so, the the odds are it's likely going to be very bad for you pretty much all the time. Now, we're not saying that the bushcrafting skills are not important to have. They're, They're very good to have. We'll be camping in the Talladega National Forest working the Yellowhammer horse ride coming up within a few months. And we will practice some bushcrafting skills there. Mm -hmm. But we're coming home after three days. We're not going to have to live on what we can find in the woods or what we're able to to hunt in the woods. And we're not going to have to build a shelter. We're just going to put up our tent. Yeah, because there are some in some forums that believe that you're not really qualified to call yourself a prepper until you can grizzly Adams it for a few months out in the woods. And for some reason, in their opinion, that is what qualifies you as a prepper. And to that, Mark and I say, hooey, that does not qualify you to be a good prepper because my threat assessment does not take me out into the woods to live. It just doesn't. That's going to be the last place to go, and we're probably not going to make it long. Mm -hmm. Because one thing, there's going to be hundreds of others trying the same thing if we happen to be out there. So if you plan to live in the woods with what you can carry on your back, like a few snares and maybe some gear you've never used, and maybe a rifle you don't really know that well, I'm going to say it, your prepping plan stinks. Another one is the gear and the gadgets that are considered the must-haves. In other words, like you can't be qualified as a prepper until you have this, 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 that, that, that. You know, we often see the question asked in many of the social media groups and on different forums, what do I need in my bug-out bag? If your plan is to bug out and you have to ask what you need to carry, your prepping plan stinks. Absolutely. I'm just saying it. If you have the skills to live in the woods for months and months and months, 
You don't need to ask anybody what needs to be in your bag. <laughs> That's the truth. That's for the one truth. thing, you've practiced living in the woods for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. yeah. out of that bag. And, you know, there's a lot we can learn from someone like that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not downing it. You know, listener, please be aware that we're not poo-pooing the, the notion of, of bushcrafting or living in the woods, but we're saying that you don't have to do that or plan to do that in order to feel like you're a good, well-established prepper. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot on gear and gadgets, and you're going to see a lot on must-haves. And, you know, like anybody else, we like gear. But we can't just depend on that gear. As Krista says in the introduction, gear is good, but knowledge is better. Mm -hmm. Because the more you know, the less you have to carry. Absolutely. How do you do this if this breaks? How do you do that if you don't have that thing? How many folks buy that gear and throw it over in the bag and never use it? I'll tell you a little quick story. Our son-in-law is a very experienced hiker, and um, I'd consider him a bushcrafter, and has been so for probably over half of his life. And he has trekked some portions of the AT, which is the Appalachian Trail. He has never trekked the entirety of it, but I've learned a little something about the AT. And that is, it's a very, very long, over a thousand mile hike, basically, from Georgia up to, I think, I'm uh, Massachusetts, I believe. I, I may be wrong about that. I'm trying to drop from memory. but Good the, little weekend trip. The story I want to tell you, you're talking about gear is good, but knowledge is better. The experienced folks who have done the AT, you know, more than one time, they learned early on that there are way stations along the way where you dump your gear. There are people that start out, you know, at the head of the trail, either the south head or the north head, and their idea is I've got to have all this gear in order to make that whole trail. And 10 miles in, they're dumping half their stuff, and they've actually got dump stations where you can actually go and buy some of the cast-offs mm-hmm. because they begin to realize they've overhyped what they thought they needed, and when it really came right down to it, they needed very little. That lesson can be learned in everyday prepping, too. I mean, you can go out and spend $10,000 on gear, and all of that gear is great stuff. But if you've neglected your food and your water and your shelter and your climate control and, and those types of things— your prepping situation is all backwards because that tent is not very tasty if that's all you have to eat. That is very true. Now, here's one we see a whole lot of, and that is bartering supplies. Mm -hmm. We spend way too much time and money and energy and discussing items for barter. Right, when we might not, you know, bartering is kind of a last resort. It's not necessarily a first resort. Well, barter also comes down to kind of a post-apocalyptic situation. Right, that's when items themselves are the currency. Yeah, and I see people all the time talking about storing alcohol. Drinking alcohol? Yeah, Yeah. drinking Mm -hmm. alcohol. Whiskey. Now, Now, there's other reasons, and Everclear is a good one if you're going to store alcohol because it has so many other uses. And it's about 95% alcohol. Wow. I think it's 190 proof. (laughs) And so it's basically grain alcohol. Mm -hmm. If you want to get drunk in a hurry, (laughs) you don't need but a few tablespoons of that, and you can Mm -hmm. get drunk in a hurry. I understand people were using Everclear to make sanitizer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And even that son-in-law you mentioned, he had some Everclear for that very thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And it's also used in cooking recipes and such, but I see a lot of people talking about storing alcohol for bartering and storing the little minis, getting the smaller bottles and things like that. Well, personal opinion, store something that's useful. Yeah, I mean, should you spend a lot of time and energy storing up a lot of quote-unquote barter items that you'll never use? No, and, and another one is tobacco. And how are you going to store tobacco long-term for a post-apocalyptic situation? Yeah, it's the, that's not the type of thing that's good after 25 mm-hmm. years. Now, knives might be barterable, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to buy a whole bunch of them to, to do that. And what we need to do is have a few things that somebody else may need, but that we could use as well. Sure. Things like lighters, candles, manual can openers, duct tape. And you don't have to stock a lot. Right. It's better to store more food for your family. And, you know, worst case scenario, you can barter food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that might be a very good idea as well. If bartering has to be done, let it be useful coming and going. Right. Now, here's something that you hear a lot of folks saying for barter, and that's gold and silver. Yeah, there's a lot of advertisements right now for economic protection. You know, invest in gold, invest in gold, buy silver, buy silver. I'm fine with buying it as a hedge against inflation for buying it for investment purposes. Have no problem with that. But gold is, what, over $3,000 an ounce right now? Mm-hmm. So how much trading on the side of the trail are we going to do for over $3,000? Well, and how much gold can you eat? You can't eat much of it. Mm-hmm. And this chicken that I'm holding is worth that gold bar that you're holding. So let's <laughs> trade. Right. Same thing with silver. Now, it probably is better in a post-apocalyptic situation, but not during the SHTF. Now, if we do ever encounter a true apocalypse, then it's going to take two or three years at least for the world to get back on its feet. Right. There'd be a lot of cataclysmic events. And there's there yeah. may be some bartering situations in there for a long time. And I go back to William Fortune's book, One Second After, and then the next one is One Year After. And society has pretty much brought itself back in some ways, or they've learned to live with it. They don't have the power back at that point in time completely. They eventually get it back, but it's a long haul to get there. Right. But there is some bartering things going on. And gold would be hard to trade for small values. Right, exactly. Silver would be better for that, but silver's still kind of on the expensive side to be using for trading early on in an SHTF apocalyptic situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've always said, and I said this from many, many, many years ago, is that 22 rounds would be better. Yes. In fact, in some books that we've read, that's, that's really the most basic currency out there. Yeah, I think it could come down to trading 22s now. So I can hear some folks hollering, no, 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 you never, you never, ever trade ammunition that somebody could come back and kill you and take your stuff. Well, understand that. I understand what you're saying. 
but they're probably not going to get me with a 22 from the distance where I'm going to be returning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to be giving them some more lead from mm-hmm. a distance that they're exactly. not going to get from a 22. Right, right. But, you know, as society settles down just a little bit, it becomes a trading currency. And maybe not when we still have the roving hordes of, you know, want to be zombies or need to be zombies uh, out there. It may not be the time to do that. You know, guns and ammo in an SHTF situation. Yes, certainly firearms, weapons can provide that level of security. But honestly, are you going to need 10,000 rounds per weapon? Unless you plan to fight off what you expect to be zombies, aliens, or Mark's favorite, the alien flying frogs, uh, you just need to store an amount that you believe you could reasonably use. You know, in an in a the end of the world as we know it event, I'm just going to say it, you'll likely die before you can go through even a thousand rounds. I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid or macabre here, but... Just kind of be in real talk with our prepper listeners, and I think most people can grasp what I'm saying, that, you know, there's just a certain line over which you just don't cross. And, you know, we we want to prep to not panic and to survive, but if we don't survive, we've got to also think about that, you know, that, that can be a possibility. It could be. And then your prepping worries are over. But I don't think that the average prepper will get through a thousand rounds and still be living. Yeah. That's I'm, just a personal opinion. I understand. Now, we're talking here about, you know, not doing the spray and pray, not running everything on full automatic or near full automatic all the time. We're not talking about every time you were to use a rifle that you emptied the magazine. So, yeah. I just, I don't see it. That's my personal opinion. That's not the opinion of the internet or conspiracy theorists or keyboard warriors. Well, it's because so many movies have been made of these post-apocalyptic events, and we draw a lot from our imagination based on what we've seen in our entertainment. But I can guarantee you that in a real post-apocalyptic event, what we've ever viewed, witnessed, or experienced, or even enjoy about these movies isn't likely to be reality at all, not not the way that it, Hollywood would like us mm-hmm. to, to know about it. it. It would be uncharted waters. So let's just run down some of these overhyped prepping topics that you're going to run into, and that's conspiracy theories, bushcrafting for living in the woods, gear and gadgets and the must-haves, and supplies for bartering, gold and silver for bartering, and lots and lots of guns and ammo. Let's talk about some underappreciated prepping topics. These are the, not the sexy ones, the ones we've already talked about, you know, the gear and the guns and the ammo. Those are the sexy prepper topics. Oh, so now we're going to get down to just the nitty-gritty here. Get down to the homely (laughs) nitty-gritty. Well, I would say that physical fitness is going to be top of the list. You know, we recently had a guest on our show, Missy Lackey, and she's a certified trainer and a young lady who has recently come through a complete round of chemo for breast cancer, never got sick, never missed a day of work, never uh, missed a day as a trainer. Right. Uh, she, she would have uh, she would have chemo on Thursday and she would teach at the gym on Thursday night. 
She taught us a lot about physical fitness and how we can tone up and shape up, even if we're at home, maybe if we're in a lockdown situation or if we need to be sequestered or quarantined, there are things that we can do at home with our basic home stuff for physical fitness because in a prepping situation you're going to need the very best health you can possibly draw on because if you're in an emergency especially for a longer period of time say after a storm or an illness or a job loss the stress level is going to increase that's just a fact and if your body is having trouble now when you're not panicking and not stressed, just imagine ramping everything up Mm -hmm. and how hard that's going to be on your body. So your physical fitness needs to be addressed. I know Mark and I are being very honest and very transparent with you listeners, too, that we're out of shape and we admit it. And so we know that we've got to take steps and certain steps have been taken, but we need to keep that journey going. You mean round is not a shape? Well, it's not the shape we want to keep. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm in shape if round is a shape. (laughs) And we do need to do some more things on Prepper Health and Fitness. And I'm working on an interview right now with Prepper Mental Health. Yes, that's a very large, large area of study. And that's whether we go into a total grid down societal changing event or just we're dealing with what we're dealing with now you know the pandemic has taught us a lot about our mental health too that it has we're seeing some of the results in the teachers the school children the healthcare field the work the the community at large uh, employment there's some issues oh there are definite issues and we're we're working on that and we're working on a child counselor coming on and talking about some of that and hopefully we'll get that interview done this week and get it up next week that'll be good now another one that we can do all the time and it's just not one of those sexy things and that's situational awareness yes you've got to tell your mind to to pay attention get your nose out of your phone pay attention know where you are To avoid a problem is better than trying to remedy the problem. Yes, so situational awareness, it's just an everyday thing, whether you prep or not. You just need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to be aware of where you are, who is around you, and what could possibly happen, which means take your nose out of your phone if you're walking or sitting in your car or whatever. Get aware of things and pay attention. Everywhere you go. And we went to a school play a couple of weeks ago, and as we were sitting down, I just pointed out the exits to Krista. It's just a thing that we do. Mm -hmm. We go ahead and identify where the closest exit is and where the alternative exits are in case there is a problem. And we're trying to be situationally aware everywhere we're going. And that's entering and exiting places. It's parking lots. It's loading your groceries. Ladies, how many of you go out, roll your cart out to the car and leave your purse in the in the buggy, as we call them here in the south, or in the cart, the grocery cart? And you load your groceries into the car with your purse still in that. You know, some guy comes running by, grabs your purse, and he's gone. Yeah, one thing that I do, you saying that, when I roll my buggy out to the car, I will take my purse, my wallet, wherever my money and valuables are, and I will unlock my passenger side, put them in there, close that door, and then I will lock my car again. I'll go to the back of the vehicle where I'm going to load my groceries. 
and I will unlock the back mm-hmm. and I will load. My, but my passenger door and my driver's side door are locked. So I can't be uh, assaulted from somebody coming by and grabbing that car door open and grabbing my purse because it's locked in there. And I've dealt with it first and then I can deal with my groceries. If somebody wants to grab my loaf of bread, fine, as long as they don't kill me. Well, yeah, and a couple of years ago, it would be your toilet tissue that they'd be snatching and right. running with. But right. how many of us get our heads wrapped up in what we're doing when we're loading and unloading children, and we totally lose sight of anything that's going on around us? Yeah, you've really got to keep your head on a swivel. How about pumping gas? I know mm-hmm. you've gotten a lot better at this. But Very much. People can walk up on you while you're pumping gas, and you didn't even see them coming, and first time you see them, they're three feet from you. Mm-hmm. So you need to have that head on a swivel. You need to be looking well beyond those pumps on the other side, the other side of your vehicle, and just paying attention. Also, when you're at the ATM, if you're going into a walk-up situation at an ATM, even if you go to a drive-up ATM, you still need to have some kind of an idea of, are you alone out there? Are there a great number of people out there? Is it after dark? What's the lighting? You know, really just You've got to train yourself to understand how to be observant. And why do we say that? Because time after time after time, these victims of crime sit in the police station, if they're lucky enough to survive their assault, and they say, oh, if I had only just turned my phone off, oh, if I had just looked around, oh, if I had just paid more attention to what was around me. And you can do that. You can train your mind to do that. We also need to be informed, and we're talking situational awareness still, but we need to be informed about what's going on locally, about what's going on nationally and internationally. And we're looking at local, we're looking at unrest, we're looking at riots, we're looking at dangerous areas. And if you live in a suburb or near a medium-sized city, you know the areas not to go in. You need to be careful going in near those areas. Oh, yes. You've often said that there's certain areas of certain cities that none of us girls in the family are going without you. That's true. And then that's only if I can get you not to go. Yeah. And I would say the same back to you. You know, just because I might not feel safe, you might not be safe either. And so you've really got to be situationally aware. Just because you're a big, strong guy does not mean that you couldn't be a victim. Well, that's true, but we're going to exercise all of that other stuff, situational awareness and what have you, but we need to be informed about what's going on locally. Yes. We need to be informed about what's going on nationally. Mm-hmm. We're looking at inflation. We started talking about it at around 4%, and I think we're nearing 8% now. Yeah, it's getting up there. And predicted to go even into 10%, if not more. Right. And we've advocated stocking more food and the assets, the tangible assets that we might need. We've seen supply chain issues, and we're still seeing those. And some of the issues that we're seeing now are coming about from things that happened six months ago. And so imagine what's going to happen six months from now. Right. We've got some drought situations in the weather. That's affecting commercial farming as well as individual farming. So naturally, that domino effect is going to hit down the line. And the rise in the cost of fertilizer Mm -hmm. and fuel, it's going to raise those prices. I saw somewhere the other day that a lot of farmers are switching over from corn 
to raising soybean. Oh, okay. And so that's going to drive corn prices up because the supply is going to be down. And even President Biden said the other day, emphatically, there are going to be food shortages. Yeah. So we need to believe that. Mm -hmm. And we need to be up on what's going on internationally. Oil prices rising, what's causing some of that. And we see some of that coming ahead of time, and we can take action if it's nothing but storing a little bit more gasoline. And I saw where a lot of the folks living near the Mexican border are crossing the border and buying their gas because it's $2 a gallon cheaper in Mexico than it is on our side of the border. Just a difference in economy there. And we've seen the war disrupting the wheat supply, so we've got a ripple effect of all of this. Now, one of the things that we do, or I do, is we subscribe to Forward Observer, and every day, five days a week, we get a briefing, and it gives a very short synopsis, and then it breaks it down into each of those subjects, and there's a lot of the why and the what fors in there, and then the uh, commentary by the particular analyst that wrote that one. Right, and these are going to be topics that you will not find on mainstream media, or at least not very often. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is kind of a heads up of what we're looking at, and this was Mike Shelby and his guys that were professional intelligence gatherers and analysts working for the military or working for some three-letter acronym, and they know what they're doing, and everything I've seen on there has been spot-on. So if that's something of interest to you, we've got Forward Observer linked off of our website. We don't make anything off of that one if you so desire to sign up, but Very, very good information. All right, what else do we have on here? Let's move to something else, and we'll get away now from the situational awareness and go to what? Let's talk about skills. You know, again, it may not be the most exciting topic when you're a prepper or trying to think about being a prepper, but being able to possess skills, to train and learn new skills is very, very important. We're talking about things like starting a fire, building a fire, Water purification, how to grow your own food, how to preserve food, like canning it, dehydrating it, freeze-drying it. Smoking it. Smoked foods, yes. Can you hunt? Can you fish? Can you cook on an open fire? Can you sew? Can you knit? Uh, Do you have any medical skills? You know, there's just a thousand things that we need to learn how to do, and some things need to be practiced You may need to practice gathering tinder. You may need to practice with your fire starting methods and you're cooking on an open fire with your cast iron. So, yeah, it's not the most exciting topic, but certainly all of these skills will come into play if you're in a place in an area where you need to draw on them. And the good thing about skills is they don't weigh anything and you can carry them with you no matter what. They can't be taken away from you. Did you know you can even barter your skills? Yes, you can. Absolutely. I mean, imagine two communities that live peacefully side by side. One community is a specialist at hunting and the other community is a specialist at medical. They can barter and and trade off on their community skills and for the good of all, you Mm -hmm. know, and so that's something to think about. Yep. 
And that brings us down to planning. And, you know, we really don't see planning as an exciting thing to do, but it's so important. And you'll see that on every responsible and reasonable prepping forum is that making a plan is always right up there with some of the first things you need to establish. It probably needs to be the first thing. And, you know, when we started the Get Started series and we talked about some things to do, planning was one of the early things. And we said, while you're doing this planning, we'll go along with you going ahead and starting to buy some food, you know, shelf-stable food that you normally eat and set it aside. But don't be buying a whole bunch of stuff. Don't be doing a lot of stuff until you make that plan. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a written A written plan. plan. Because it needs to be written because if it's everything is stored on your device and you no longer have your device or can't charge it or cannot access it for months you're you're lost you're as lost as a ball in high grass if nothing else you know type it that's great Mm -hmm, we do it all the time and then print it out punch three holes in it put it in a binder right you've got a written plan doesn't need any kind of electricity what do we do if this happens well pull out the binder and Mm -hmm. see you can do prepping plans meal plans your communication plan your emergency contact plan your uh, bug out plan, where are you going to go if you have to leave, mm-hmm. you know, those things have to be addressed. You need to sit down and really think it all out. Our top three bug out locations are nice hotels. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're not leaving here just, you know, because something happens. It's going to be a, a dangerous, it's going to be an evacuation situation that causes us to bug out if we had to. Right. And so that's why our first three places are nice hotels. Now, Mark, explain to us why practicing with our gear is at all vital. Well, skills are degradable. They do degrade. That's why we have to practice our shooting. We can't go out here and shoot one time, shoot a high score and say, okay, I'm good for life. Yeah, that's true. And we, you know, I've noticed as I get older, my shooting ability has diminished some. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. No, it's not, not bad at all. It's not, uh, not <laughs> it's saying it's bad. It's pretty darn good, actually. But that comes because we go and we practice. Mm-hmm. And that, which, by the way, I've got training and qualification coming up next month. So we need to hit the shooting range here shortly. And I need to pull out the dry fire thing and do some practice with mm-hmm. that. And, Absolutely. And get ready. And because those skills are degradable. And what happens if it breaks? You know, that's where we find the the problems with our gear is when we're practicing with it. Yes, exactly. I had a fire starter and I thought, man, this is cool. You know, it's got everything. This is the first fire starter I bought. And I started to start a fire with it and finally said, man, this thing's junk. Because it wouldn't work. It, it just, I didn't get a fire started with that one. <laughs> and... It, I had carried it in my bag for a year or two, in addition to a lighter, because my first is a lighter, but I had carried it for about a year as my backup, and come to find out, I couldn't start a fire with that particular one. It was a cheap one from a big box store, but now we have a couple that we can get a fire started with with no problem, so that's where you find out where the problem are. 
You know, you don't want to just become a gear junkie, somebody that just believes that, oh, if I just buy these fire starters and I buy these water purification chemicals and and devices that just having them is all I need. And when the time comes, I'll just learn how to use them when the time comes. Mm -hmm. And that's just... Hmm. That, that's not the time to be learning. That's not a good advice for any type of situation in life, not just prepping, but just anything. All right, let's go ahead with another one that's not a lot of fun to talk about, and you won't see a whole lot about it. Now, people will tell you, get your financial house in order, but prepper finances is something that we really, really need to work on, and it's underappreciated. But, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Stuff Stuff. happens. If you live long enough, you're going to have a life full of stuff happening. And there's a lot of what ifs in there. Mm -hmm. And so because of the what ifs, we need to learn to live on less. Well, exactly right. We need to live within our means. We need to cut our impulse buying. Ouch. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Ouch. I intentionally didn't look your direction for that (laughs) one, but... So you wrote that one for me, huh? But, well, <laughs> and so we, but we do need to cut that impulse by. It's true. And we need to avoid credit, right. especially credit cards. You know, have good credit, but don't use your credit card as a source of income. That's how some people are actually using it. Yeah, living way above your means mm-hmm. now. You got to pay that back. I know for online ordering, you use a credit card. But when we got that credit card, the deal was we pay it off every month. Right. And we've not done that every single month. There's been a couple of times we've paid half of it this month and the rest of it next month with next month's bill. Mm -hmm. But that was because at that particular time, we did not have a good emergency fund. Right. And that's another thing that we need to build is an emergency fund. Right. We we actually, he and I have actually started an emergency fund. In fact, we have several different funds going at, you know, simultaneously. You never know when you're going to need to buy a set of tires. You never know when your air conditioner is going to go out or that you, that 28th year of your refrigerator is just not going to make it to 29. You know, a lot of times things will happen. Large purchases need to take mm-hmm. place at the most inopportune time. And that emergency fund needs to be cash. Mm-hmm. You know, in New York a few weeks ago, there was some kind of situation that there was a lot of hacking done. And I think it was Wells Fargo and a couple of other banks and not one of their ATMs would work in, in the city there for a little while. Oh, my word. And so what happens with that? What happens if a protest group and you can't get to your bank? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, another thing that I saw recently was that many of the ATM slots of the same banks were glued in two major banks. Oh, so you couldn't use your card to even access cash. Your card couldn't go in there. So there you are, you know. Okay, so that's a good reason to have an emergency fund. All right, here's one that I preach on all the time, and that's personal SHTF. Some people believe that SHTF is only when society totally breaks down. Right, and we've lived long enough to realize that you can have an SHTF any day of any week, and Mm -hmm. that can be the aftermath of a devastating storm event. That could be the death of an immediate family member, a loved one. It can be the loss of a long-time job or even a short-time job. 
It could be a serious illness, maybe something lasting six months or more, or especially like a cancer treatment where you may be a year to 18 months in chemo and radiation. Even a power outage of two weeks is enough to push most people to the brink. Well, small disasters become large when they affect you directly. And when you're not prepared for them. Absolutely. So those personal SHTF situations could or may change our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We need to do an episode on personal Schumer hitting the fan. Yep. Yeah. Tonight we have covered some overhyped prepper topics and we have covered some underappreciated prepping topics. Focus on those underappreciated topics. Those are the ones that will really do you a lot of good. And don't worry so much about that overhyped stuff. To be honest, you don't need 10,000 rounds per gun that you have. No, you really don't. You really don't. You, you, you'd be a hard time finding it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, um, have you been looking for ammo lately? I know we have. Well, we, we dollar cost average hours. We, we buy a box here and there and you know, might pick up a case at a point, but we do a lot of shooting. We enjoy shooting, so it's not going to go to waste. And if we were taken out tomorrow, we've got children that enjoy shooting, and they'll be glad to split it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right, anything else you want to share tonight? Just glad to have our listeners with us. We appreciate your feedback. Please contact us, email us, or Reach out to us on Facebook. Uh, A lot of you have been sending some great comments and questions and some of them private message. And we enjoy that because we've learned a lot from you. We appreciate that you're learning some things from us. So let's just get into this thing together and and prep like, you know, prep like you ought to. Stuff happens. You got to stay prepared. We got a new request today for a topic that I have not thought about. What's that? And it's from a young lady named Megan. And we've got some research to do. Okay. So this one's going to be kind of interesting. And I don't know why we haven't thought of this Ooh, one. So details to come. Details to come. Folks, if you want to support the podcast, we do appreciate it. If you would go to our website, click on the Amazon banner, and go do your Amazon shopping from there. It costs you nothing extra, but it does help support the podcast because they pay us a tiny little commission off of each sale. So we would appreciate it if you do that and share the podcast with friends and family. And we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.